0: One of the signs that uh, you're in a church where God is present is that you could dismiss before the preaching, we're not going to do that, you could dismiss before the preaching and you would feel like you met with the Lord. Uh, I feel like the Lord's been with us already, isn't that a blessing? And uh, you know, only you can't manufacture that, only God can do that. At the same time, that doesn't mean that we are without responsibility to ensure that uh, God feels welcome in his house. There are plenty of places that have church out on a sign and declared to be the house of God. (laughs) And God doesn't feel welcome. And I sense that he feels welcome here. And so uh, praise the Lord for that. Thank you for being in the house of God today. I trust you're here because you want to continue to hear from him. So hopefully I won't get in the way of that. Hopefully you won't get in the way of that. Uh, it's, it's great to be back here. I uh, was introduced to this church through Pastor Hetzer. Uh, and, and then, of course, was told about Brother Mrs. Cook uh, for really since about 2004 when I first met Brother Hetzer. I met your pastor in 2002. And uh, though I've only been here, I don't know, three or four times, just feels like home. If I lived in, now I don't want to live in Boise. I, I, I love Arizona. But if I had to live in the Boise Metroplex, I'm coming here. It's good stuff. Would you find Luke 18, please? Do you all stand for the reading of God's word? Is that Do you do that? Okay. Yeah, you can stand. I about wanted to sucker punch (laughs) I. (laughs) Then he had to get all emotional about God, and I'm like, okay, I take that back. (laughs) It's true. Thank you for that testimony. A lot of people can't afford to give because they don't give. Think about that. Hasn't. I'm seeing some of you hadn't connected the dots. I just connected dots for you. God says, uh, you're not given to me, so I'm going to put a pocket in your holes. And though you have an income coming in, uh, I'm going to make sure you have an outgo that's going out in a way that you don't expect. So I'll make sure that your car breaks down. I'll make sure that you have a plumbing problem. I'll create a financial crisis. Because I'm going to make sure I get my money. And I'm not preaching on money, so don't get nervous. I'm not preaching on money. Uh, and so for that reason, people can't afford to give because they don't give. Right. That's right. You know, so I'm pretty sure, I mean, Brother Fevive, looks like you're paying your bills still. and You've been giving. God's been faithful, hadn't he? Yeah, so thank you for that testimony. Luke 18, verse 31. speaking of Jesus, says, then he took unto him the twelve, said unto them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Okay, time out for just a minute. We read this like, yeah, he's going to Jerusalem. Yeah, he's he's gone to Jerusalem, Boy, he's going to Jerusalem. But if you were the twelve here and you heard that, You'd be like, oh, no, because Jerusalem's a hot spot by now. This is the last time he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to die. And he's had to leave Jerusalem previously already multiple times because they tried to throw stones at him, and they've been planning how they can kill him already. In fact, uh, if you are familiar with John 11, when... Jesus said, we're going to Bethany, which is nigh to Jerusalem. He said, we're going to go to Bethany to uh, fix Lazarus. He's dead. We're going to fix him. <laughs> they were concerned because they said, last time we were there, they tried to kill us. So even before he finishes his statement, for them to hear this, guards up. Guards up. Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Now, you would think they would know what that means. He continues, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit it upon. That's pretty simple to understand. They're going to abuse you and spit on you. Pretty easy to understand, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Unless you're a disciple. And just for added clarity, verse 33, and they shall scourge him, put him to death. The third day he'll rise again, crystal clear. We know what that means, don't we? (laughs) Verse 34, they had no clue. What in the world are you talking about? That's what the JV version says, John Bob version in my head they understood none of these things and the saying was hid from them neither knew they the things which he uh, which were spoken well on the way there they come by jericho verse 35 and it came to pass that as he was come nigh to jericho a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging and hearing the multitude pass by he asked what it meant they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. That's an important phrase. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, common name. Be like John. How come no parents nowadays are naming their kids John? I'm a little offended. I'm about to go woke here. No, I'm not. Jesus, a common name, Nazareth. Not even a common city, kind of a, it's kind of the south side, so to speak. Yeah. Verse 35, and he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm not doing that verse justice. He he sounded much more emphatic than that. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, a.k.a. Sorry, moms. Shut up. Don't say that, James. Is this James or James, right? Don't say that. You're, you're getting trouble by mama. Where's your mama? She's back there. Yeah, sorry, mama. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Is it okay to have fun in God's house? Yeah. yeah. Verse 40. Jesus stood commanded him to be brought unto him and when he was come near he asked him saying what is it that you need what do you want from me what kind of change do you need in your life is there a change that's on your heart that you need what is it that you want he said Lord Give me my sight, please. Jesus said to him, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And notice, notice what this produced. Everyone looked at this guy who now can see them back. And they're like this. No way. They start praising God. Becomes infectious. It's one of the reasons why church is important. When's the last time you praised God like this in Walmart? Honestly, in the park, right? I mean, I I, I challenge you to just go out and start singing whatever song. What's one of the songs that we sing? Jesus loves it. Just start singing that next time you're in the Walmart line. Start singing that. See what kind of warm welcome you receive see what happens but but you come to the house of god where the people of god are and and god himself is and you sing out and then you're hearing james sing next to you and you're like ooh, he's singing loud i want to sing loud and what god does in our hearts becomes infectious and it's not even about church but i could see how it's applicable right here i want to preach to you on this subject extravagant passion for jesus extravagant passion for Jesus. Father, do what only you can do. You're worthy. You're here. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not giving up on us. We need you. Please meet with us. Please, please. We ask it in the high, the heavenly, the holy name of our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Jesus is coming to an end of his ministry. He's headed towards Jerusalem for the final time. He will fulfill the Passover. He will be the Passover. Uh-huh. Right. He's uh, escaped to Jerusalem. Uh, I forget, however, many months ago, and he's been in the outskirts and he was on the he was on the east side of Jordan and. Now he's making his way back to Jerusalem because he's a faithful Jew. And even when it's convenient, he has to obey God. He desires to obey God. So he's come to Jerusalem. He knows what's ahead of him. He approaches the city Jericho. There's a great multitude of people following him. That's not uncommon at this stage in Jesus's ministries. Big crowds have been following him. I've already mentioned Lazarus. He's already been resurrected. That was a number of weeks ago. Maybe a week ago. I can't remember off the top of my head. And and so that's gone viral, so to speak. You, you know what that's like. Uh, that's gone viral even back in this day without our social media and email and phone calls. I mean, it's gone viral. And so so there's a large crowd and, and and some of this crowd no doubt would be the Jews from various areas who are coming in to get ready to worship God through the Passover. So there would be a part of the crowd that are, are on their way to Jerusalem just like Jesus is. And, and so the blind man would know that the crowd would be bigger than normal, right? He's, he's in the main thoroughfare that goes uh, by Jericho. That's what you do when you beg. We have lots of homeless folks in Phoenix. It's understandable. At least in the winter, it's understandable. And, uh, and so they sit on main thoroughfares because that's where you're going to get the greatest opportunity. And so this blind man is doing the same. And, and no doubt he notices that the crowd is a little bit bigger. But I think you would probably be aware that, man, even though that this is Passover, the crowd would be a little bit bigger. They're, they're, this crowd seems bigger. There's more energy in this crowd than normal. He can he can tune into that. Begins to hear the ambient voices, and the shuffle, the hustle, and the bustle. It's getting closer to him. So he he asks someone that's there. He says, hey, hey. Tell me what's going on. What's all this noise from? Tell me, tell me, please. Uh, what's approaching us? Tell me what's going on. And, and in my mind, as I see this passage un, uh, uh, unfold, I can hear maybe someone say, "Well, I mean, it's pretty crazy." You know that. You know that man that we've heard about—the man named Jesus. You know from Nazareth. You, you know, just the the guy from Nazareth that we've heard. Who just rose, rose, uh, uh, raised, rose, resurrected Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> He's coming this way. Is that man? He's coming this way. I can see this dramatic change of countenance in this beggar man. I mean, he's like alive. He's alert. Instantly, there's a dramatic change, and immediately he's infected with the level of energy and vitality he has not had in a very long time. So what does he do? Well, you're going to wait for the right moment to let her rip, to shout, right? You don't want to shout too early. You're not going to hear you. You shout too late and he's gone past. And so I could just see him, man. He's you know. One of the things that I love, I love a lot of things about your pastor. You have no idea what I'm about ready to say, do you? <laughs> what I love most about your pastor is that he loves God and that sharpens me. It's what I love most. I also love your pastor because he's like me in a different way, but still similar that he's high energy. The dude, for, forgive me for calling him a dude, he cannot stay still. He's like fidgety all the time. Have, I mean, you, I know you haven't noticed that at all. <laughs> I'd imagine this blind man be fidgety as he's waiting for, I mean, he just can't stay still. And he's like, I mean, it's like the, the uh, RPMs are revving. He's just ready to let go of the brake on his vocal cord and let her rip. As he uh, figures out the right time, the Greek word for cry first uses boaho, boaho. And it simply means to shout. Turn me down, please. Hey, Jesus! Hey! Over here! In case you think I'm being dramatic. You probably don't know what it's like to be blind. Boaho, he shouts for Jesus. There's a contrast between 37 and 38 that's really powerful. I pointed out already that uh, the crowd tells him that Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, common name like John. To describe Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth ascribes absolutely zero divinity or heavenly authority to this man. He's told that Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. But look at your Bibles. Is that how he referred to him as when he shouted out? Oh, no. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, hey, son of God. I'm sorry, son of David. And what this is, this is a a messianic title. This man says, oh, you're telling me that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. I know who that is, but I know something about him that you obviously don't know. He is no commoner, and though he's from Nazareth, this man has a greater origin than Nazareth. This man is from God. You can see his faith just in the way he describes him. He doesn't call him Jesus of Nazareth. Who buddy. A group of people in the procession. They hear him start being obnoxious, shouting out. and they do everything they can to quiet, quiet down, you't bother him what, what, Come on, what's your problem?" I, I don't know what they said, but they attempt to silence him. and uh, didn't have any kind of effect, at least the effect that they were hoping. The only effect it had is it poured gasoline on his already over-the-top passion this man had for the son of David. And he gets even more loud and repetitive, only this time he doesn't do boaho. The Greek word is kradzo. Turn me down. Boaho is to shout, hey, Jesus. It, it'll get your attention. Shouting will get your attention. Carazzo, you know what that is? Scream. For your sake, I'm not going to. I, look, I'm. <laughs> like, whew, he screams. He's screaming. Scream. screaming. Look, look here. Desperate. Mama's, your son bolts out of the front yard into that street. You hear those cars coming. You're, you're doing more than Bo'aho, Crodzo. You're screaming from the t- You're You're in desperation mode. This man is in desperation mode. Notice the effect it had on Jesus. Look at verse 40. First three words. What'd Jesus do? Now, he's already standing because he's walking. This does not mean that he, 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 like, stood up. This means he stood still. There's a whole crowd around Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Important business to take care of in Jerusalem. And he's walking a crowd around him. The man first does about ba'aho, he shouts, and they tell him to be quiet. That doesn't work. He starts going kradzo, desperation mode, screaming out. And Jesus stops. Hmm. Not only does he stop, but he commands the kradzo crazy blind person to come to him. It caused Jesus to stop in his tracks. To stop everything he was doing. And Jesus turns his attention to this man and he gives him a backstage passive, undivided messianic attention. Jesus acknowledged the man's faith. Granted him his desperate request of the needed change in his life. Gave him his sight which then had a chain reaction and caused others to glorify and praise God. So I preached the passage. That's it. What more do you need to know? (laughs) I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? That'd be okay. You ready for this question? Nod your head if you're ready for this question. Why'd this man shout? from the top of his lungs and didn't have a care in the world about what others thought. Why do you do that? You don't need to answer out loud. Why do you do that? Why do you go crazy? Why do you go kradzo? Why do you go in desperation mode? What flipped a switch? What did it? simple he had an extravagant passion to connect with Jesus extravagant passion to connect with Jesus knowing that Jesus could do something about the desperate change he needed in his life is anyone listen to this extravagant faith extravagant Don't Google it. Let me just tell you what the dictionary says about extravagant, irregular, not common, beyond ordinary limits. I want you to stop and think about the kind of effect that this man's extravagant faith, extravagant passion, Kravzo screaming, had on Jesus. It caused Jesus to stop everything that he was doing, turn his attention away from the masses of people who were also seeking his attention, which is why they were following him. And Jesus gave this Kravzo man undivided focus and attention and healed him while everyone else in the crowd sat and watched. The others in the crowd obviously had some desire to follow Jesus. Right. They're following Jesus. Obviously, they had some kind of desire to follow Jesus. And, but none of those people caused Jesus to stop. whole crowd all had some measure of desire, not one. Not one caused Jesus to stop everything, call the Crodzo man over, and say, what do you want? I'll do whatever you want. Amazing. How come the other men or women didn't cause Jesus to stop? They had desire. Well, because that kind of desire is a dime a dozen. It's regular. Right. Right. The blind man's passion is irregular, right. over the top by some measures, and it caused Jesus to stop everything that he was doing and give him his undivided attention, unparalleled intimacy, and life changing power in this Crodzo crazy man's right. life. Amen. Pretty amazing. Anyone want to guess what the next story is? Don't look. Don't look, you bunch of cheaters. You should know your Bible. I didn't know either until I studied it. Anyone know what the next story is? Okay, look. Look at your Bible. See if you can find out. What's the next story about? Oh, it's Zacchaeus. Huh. You know what the story of Zacchaeus is about? It's about another person who has extravagant faith, irregular faith, irregular passion to connect with Jesus. Because he knows there's desperate change I need in my life. I've got everything I need in my life, but I know this ain't working. I need something else. And he has some extravagant faith over the top. Unregular that he doesn't care what you think about it. Right. Well, let me show it to you. Right. Chapter 19, verse number 1. Let's read it. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. You want to sing it, don't you? Yeah. Zacchaeus was a we. Sing it with me. A wee little man. Don't sing it with me. Let's keep reading. <laughs> named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was what? Rich people have a certain way of life that is different. I don't know because I am one. Uh, I know because I minister among many of them. Rich people like to insulate themselves from common folk. They won't say it out loud, but they do. Rich folk usually have very distinguished habits in life. And they're going to dress a certain way. They're going to talk a certain way. They're not going to dress a certain way. They're not going to talk a certain way. They're going to eat a certain way. I didn't grow up rich. Um, I guess you could say I grew up uh, with with certain... um, maybe you'd call them redneck methods i don't know i just i was i was comfortable with redneck i was comfortable so when god led us to scottsdale i had to i had to learn some new habits so as not to put up unnecessary roadblocks between me and the people i would try to minister to i had to learn how to eat properly i really did i'm right-handed and so I would uh, typically hold my fork with my right hand, but if you have to cut anything, you don't hold the fork with your right hand. If you're right-handed, you hold the fork with your left hand and you cut with the right hand. And then you don't switch when you after the cut. I I would switch. You don't switch. You do this, and it looks so dignified. Now, you're laughing about it. I'm, I am being 100% dead serious. I learned you don't lick your fingers. Your tongue is not a napkin. It really isn't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a unnecessary... If I do this, and I, I mean, I, I might as well just say goodnight. My, my point is that r- rich folks, affluent folks, they, they tend to be, and you know this already, they're, they're different, they're, they're, they're dignified ways. Zacchaeus was rich, but apparently he's in desperation mode, right. and all of that goes out the window. Right. Verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. He could not for the press because he was little of stature. Okay? So I can't see him. What am I going to do? I, I can't Well, there's a tree. It would be totally uncouth for me to climb that tree. But I, my life needs some. I need change. And I've heard about him only one that I have any hope for change so I don't care I don't care how I'm supposed to act I'm going to climb that tree I don't care what they think and he climbs the tree and guess what it caused Jesus to do verse number 5 when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said unto him Zacchaeus Get down out of that tree quickly. Why? Because I'm going to give you my undivided attention. And I'm going to change your life. Bring the need into your life that you need. Here's the take-home truth for you. Having extravagant passion to connect with Jesus will capture his undivided attention And will allow you to experience intimate fellowship and life changing power. So simple. Now, here's what I want to do I'm going to share my heart with you a little bit this morning. Can I do that? You look so dignified in your nice shirt, iron clothes, and nice shoes. Ladies look so nice with the nice hair and you got your makeup on. We look so dignified, don't we? Sometimes I think our passion to connect with Jesus can be far too civilized and far too dignified to really capture his undivided attention. Far too civilized, far too dignified to experience the kind of unparalleled power that Jesus is often, uh, that he's willing to uh, give into your life to bring you the kind of change that you know you need. Sometimes I think our passion to connect with Jesus can be far too infected with routine and apathetic Monotony to really capture his undivided attention to experience his unparalleled power to bring the change in our life that we really need. And, and just for clarification's sake, routine and monotony, that's not the problem. That's not why you don't have passion. That's not, why, uh, uh, that's, that's not what's keeping you from being quote unquote over the top irregular in your demonstration of your need of Jesus because there are things that you've been doing for years over and over again, day after day after day, and you get excited about them every time. Every time. Every morning I wake up and walk down my stairs and I can't wait to start my coffee. I get it. I've been doing that. I don't, I've been doing... I started drinking coffee in Bible college days. Your pastor and I worked all night, uh, overnight, and so instead of being like the loser students that we were with that fell asleep during class, we would stand up in class so as not to fall asleep. They weren't losers, by the way, but... it just sounded good. Uh, but, but we would stand up in the back of the classroom, and that's where I started drinking coffee. Never drank coffee in my life. Well, then I had started loving it. I've been drinking coffee since 2003, and I don't ever get tired of it. I do it every day. I love coffee. Don't bring me Folgers, by the way. got a higher standard of living than that. My my stepdad, good good man, worked and retired from Folgers, and so gotta be careful about him. He's not here today, so. My my point is, look, we come to church all the time. We read our Bible all the time. We sing praise all the time. You hear preaching all the time. It's routine. It's monotonous. But routine and monotony is, is, is vital for success. You won't be successful at anything unless you incorporate routine and monotony. Routine and monotony is not the problem as to why you don't have passion for Jesus. Sometimes I think our passion can be far too concerned about what others might think if I start getting a little bit over the top, maybe raise my hand, maybe lift my voice. Maybe they're going to start thinking, man, what, what's going on with you? Why, why are you acting all like a Bible thumper-ish? Like, I mean, come on. Sometimes I think our passion can be far too concerned that, that if I start... Uh, acting extravagant, like, I'm re- like I really need a change, then maybe people might think that my life is more messy than, uh, than what I want them to think. Maybe they start thinking that I have things that actually need change in my life. Well, hallelujah. Amen. That's right. I'm not against being sharp. I live in a city where if you're not sharp, you're not going to reach the people. You're not going to reach them. I'm not against being excellent in our presentation and. Being administrative. What I am against is that these things become a stumbling block for the kind of passion that captures the attention of Jesus. I'm against being afraid of not expressing a deep passion for Jesus, to connect with Jesus simply because I I want others to view me as being a civilized person who's got it all together. Uh, I don't want them to think that I'm over the top. So so if I'm going to live that way, instead of getting the unparalleled power of Jesus to bring the change in my life and to know that I walk with Jesus and he met with me, instead of getting that i get the same thing that the crowd got that day you just see him from from arm's distance away but they didn't experience any change in their life zero my goal is not to be viewed as a dignified sophisticated believer of the 21st century but rather one who will passionately seek after jesus and do everything in my power to connect with him because I got change listen I got change in my life that I'm always standing in need of I need him to be in my life I need his power to bring to, to give me the victory I know I'm a pastor but uh, uh, your pastors the same we need Jesus still to bring the change in our life and Jesus is more than willing to give the power But sometimes he's just waiting for us to have a little bit of extravagant passion that really seeks him before he says, come on. Let me show you what I have to offer. Gracious sakes. Listen to what A.W. Tozer said about this subject matter. To most people, God is an inference, not a reality. He's the deduction from their evidence, which they consider adequate, but he remains personally unknown To the individual. These notions about God are many and varied, but they who hold them have one thing in common. They do not know God in personal experience. The possibility of intimate acquaintance with him has never entered their minds. Their creeds require them to believe in the personality of God. They've been taught to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. And by that very prayer, it, it uh, demonstrates personality and fatherhood and a God that can be known. But this is, although this is admitted, it's all theory for millions of Christians. God is no more real to them. Then he is a non-Christian. Give you the take home truth again. Having extravagant passion to connect with Jesus will capture his undivided attention. Allow you to experience intimate fellowship and life changing power. Now, here's how I want to finish my time. This truth that I just read to you, I want to show you seven seven ways this is applicable to your life. Seven. I'm going to do it quick. Seven ways. You ready? Y'all ready? Seven ways. Number one. Extravagant passion for Jesus is always connected to your real view of Jesus. Not your professed view, your real view of Jesus. This man was told, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. But that's not how we refer to him. You know why he didn't call him Jesus of Nazareth? Do you know why he called him thou son of David? Because he believed this man is more than a commoner from a low life kind of city like Nazareth this man is heavenly this man can do something that I need I need this man and I'm just telling you your passion for Jesus is always connected to your real view of who he is and you might profess he's the king of kings and the lord of lords well wouldn't that show up in your life sometimes Wouldn't that show up as you're singing? Wouldn't that show up when you're all alone and no one is watching? I'm just saying, wouldn't it show up instead of being theoretical? It's real to you. It comes out in the way you talk, in the way you act. Gracious sakes. Truth uh, applicable, uh, truth number two. Not only is extravagant passion for Jesus always connected to your real view, but it's always obvious. Always. Everyone in this crowd knew. This man's Kradzo. Everyone knew. Everyone in this crowd knew. This man is desperate for Jesus. Everyone in the crowd knew. This man has some serious change he needs in his life, and he really believes Jesus can do it. Everyone knew that. And I'm just pointing out that, that oh, and Zacchaeus, the next story. Everyone knew that this rich man up in the tree, that's not natural. And the reason he's up in the tree is because he has some change that he needs Jesus to do in his life because this man has passion. It's irregular. It's extravagant. It's beyond what's normal. It's over the top, whatever you want to call it. You can call it this. It caught Jesus' attention. Right. Hallelujah. What's your passion like during the time of praise? It would be easy to be passionate in a church like this. I've been in I've been ministry long enough to know even, even when it's hot. I mean, it's on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, music leader, he's doing his job, piano player. Doing his job. pastors over here. And he can't help but throwing a, a few sermonettes in between the verses. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's on. And most people are singing, but there's still a few. Yeah, sure. Checking their watch. and Just kind of sitting there. They might even be mouthing. You can just tell. Their mouth's moving, but their heart isn't. It's obvious when you're passionate during the declared word of God and the preaching. It's obvious. It's obvious. uh, Your passion for Jesus, it's obvious as you serve in ministry. It's obvious. If it's not obvious, then you need to go back and ask yourself and examine whether or not your view of Jesus is theoretical or unmistakable. It may be that you really do view Jesus as the greatest, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Maybe you've allowed sin in your life, and you know what that does to your passion? It numbs it and disinfects it. Doesn't matter how much you want to be passionate about Jesus, you got sin in your life, it'll disinfect. That passion, take it right out of your life, and you'll care more about what others think while you're in church or your job or whatever else. So, you know what you need to do? You need to be like this blind man and recognize I've got sin in my life and needs change, and only Jesus can help me. Because you've been fighting. How long you been how long you gonna keep fighting and trying to figure it out on your own? How long you gonna keep doing that? How long you gonna keep doing that? How many more times are you gonna try? How many more times are you going to try to get advice from your friend about how you should navigate this difficulty, this vice in your life? Why don't you just do what the blind man did, and during an invitation time, you stop caring about what other people think, and you have some extravagance in your desire to connect with Jesus and say, God, I need help. I need change. Oh, would you change this for me? And he just might stop what he's doing and say, come here. Let me give you some of what I got. Hallelujah. It's always obvious. Number three. (laughs) I don't think you want me to tell you what number three is. But I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Extravagant passion for Jesus will always irritate others. Quiet your mouth. Just stay over there and look beggarly. Don't bother us. He didn't want anything to do with you. you remember Mary and her alabaster box? A lot of money right there. I'm shooting off the cuff, but I think it was worth an annual salary. Is that about right? I don't know what the annual salary is here, but she's pouring forty, fifty thousand dollars down the head and the hair and the feet of Jesus, and a lot of that's ending up on the dirt. He, he, you know what the disciples said? You're such a waste, this is such a waste. See, extravagant passion for Jesus, even with other believers. It'll always irritate them. You know why it irritates them? Because it's, it's an indictment on their lack of passion. It's an indictment that, that there's been some kind of disinfectant into their heart uh, of the passion that they once had when Christ saved their soul, forgave them, called them, said, I want to use you, I want to change you, I want to cleanse you. And they've forgotten what that's like. Sin has disinfected their passion, so they get irritated now. When someone else comes to the altar. When someone else is singing loud. When someone else is raising their hand. When someone else is giving testimony and boo-hooing and crying. I don't mean that in a bad way. And crying just like Brother Thea up here. Just overwhelmed. I can't believe God. I can't believe I did that to God. And yet, look at me now. I got a suit on and God taking care of me. And I got a wife and I got the blessing. And God, I just, I can't believe. And you look up there and what's going on with him? Him. Kind of over the top bit over the top. A disinfected heart is what you have from the world. Don't let those who have a theoretical faith prevent you from having an unmistakable faith. Number four, extravagant passion for Jesus will always capture God's time and attention. Always, always, always. God said it. It's all over the Bible. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 420, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and all thy soul. Psalm 119, 145, David said, with my whole heart I've cried. Answer me, O Lord, I will keep your statues. It's all over the Bible. I could give you all kinds of verses like that. The truth is, extravagant passion for Jesus will always capture God's time and attention. Number five, extravagant passion for Jesus will always influence others to get more passion. You want to make church exciting? Keep doing what you're doing. I'm serious about that. Man, what makes church so exciting is when a guest walks through those doors, and it's so intimidating, right? Like, sure. man, what all these people? They got all these crazy thoughts in their head. The pastor up here with the suit, and men up here looking sharp and talking sharp, and they, they don't see all the junk that's kind of behind the scenes. You, you know what I'm saying? All the failures and flaws and rough edges, and they come and they look at you, and they say, oh, these, these people are perfect, man. Look at them smiling at their Expensive clothes on, and all of that, and I'm just saying, it's so intimidating, and they're gonna. It's really hard to overcome that when they walk through the door. But if you'd walk in here and have some extravagant passion for Jesus, and it shows up in your vocal cords, and you start singing, and and maybe even do what David did, Sunday school lesson, Sunday school. Maybe even do what David did, and you raise a hand unto the Lord just as you're singing. That Jesus, I cannot believe. I don't even know how the song goes. This is why you don't want me saying, "Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me." I, I just, and and maybe, God forbid, maybe instead of one hand, you do two hands, and and and, and they recognize, man, all these people, man, they just seem so perfect. But good night. I mean, it's like. It's like they believe God's listening, and God is here, and it's like they believe God's done something in their life. Then the preaching goes on, and they see people nodding their head, and there's passion, they're like, yes, I need, come on, preacher, keep preaching. I need that. Oh, okay. And then they see the invitation, and these people are on their face, and they're like, this is so weird. But but at the same time, though it's so weird, whatever it is that they have, it seems so real. I want it. And I'm just saying, And that that passion for Jesus is infectious. So come in here and be passionate and watch God change lives as they walk through this door. Hallelujah, amen, and amen. I have two more. Can you bear two more? Number six, extravagant passion for Jesus is not N-O-T. That spells what? is not an issue of personality. Right, right, right. It's an issue of the heart. Well, I'm just an introvert. I like being alone. I can tell. Okay, all right. I, yes, people have different personalities, right? I mean, they, they do. And, and there are people that are introverted, and they get uncomfortable in a big crowd. I, you, I know you probably won't believe this, but I, I'm a natural introvert. <laughs> I, I, I really am. God, You can talk to my wife. God changed my heart after I got saved and surrendered to the Lord. I, I can't believe I'm a pastor. But you put me. Now, I don't mind a big crowd in a church. I mean, I love God. But you put me in a big crowd and I don't know you. I just I want to go in the corner. You know what I'm saying? I so I'm yeah, there are different personalities. Some people they express their excitement differently. Look, I, I get that. I get that. But but here's here's what I want to say to you. Just make sure you're consistent then. Just make sure that sports never gets you to, (laughs) yeah, you bunch of suckers, touchdown, woo. Just make sure you don't get excited. Make sure sports or whatever it is that you're passionate about never elevates your voice. Y'all listening to me never elevates your voice, never causes your arms to want to start moving in ways that demonstrate some kind of excitement. I'm just saying that if you're saying it's your personality, fine, make sure you're consistent. But if you get excited about a stupid football, and I like football, stupid football going into a patch of ground and guys chest bumping. You're going to come in or the, to the house of the living God where he changes lives and eternities and add his, adds satisfaction that nothing else can add. And you can't raise your voice or stink and get excited about anything. You're a hypocrite. Your problem is not your personality. Your problem is your heart. All right. All right. Men, <laughs> Fix that later. Last thing. Last thing is this. Extravagant passion for Jesus is always needed because there's always a change that we need in our life. It just doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Okay, do this for me. You ready? I want you to follow me. Can you do that? You ready? Ready? what that means. There's still change that you need in life. That's right. You're going to still need change until you get that glorified body. I'm so thankful I'm still in ministry. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I still get to be used of God. It's not because I'm great. It's not because I've been perfect, oh my goodness. I struggle with the same temptations that you do. Sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't. And I need Jesus. There's times where... For too long, I just like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, and I, I got to get out of that mode, and and then God shakes my heart, and I say, I, I've tried to get this right, I've tried to change this, I can't, and and maybe if that's you, maybe what you need is just to be like this crodzo blind man, and just come before an altar and say, God... I've tried everything, and you know I've been trying to fix this. I need this change in my life for my marriage to work. I need this change for parenting to work. I need this change just so I can feel at peace in life. I don't, I've tried everything. Maybe you just come to an old-fashioned altar and you say, God, you can give me change. The blind man shows me that, and I just want to cry out to you. Oh, God, please, would you bring it in my life? As long as you're breathing, you need to be passionate because you got things he needs to change all the time. Are you interested in gaining the undivided attention of God and having deep intimacy with him? Or are you more interested in looking like you got it all together yeah. Yeah. That's good. which one are you interested in his unparalleled power over the areas in life that you know need to be changed I can tell you I can tell you how to have those interests fulfilled you do some kratzo to Jesus you don't necessarily have to do it in this room, but it won't ha- it won't hurt. Come before God in humility and say, "God, would you change this about my life?" If your answer to either one of these questions is yes, I want to encourage you to employ two specific kinds of response. Uh, we, we can let's get the piano player ready if we can, and we'll get ready for invitation. I want to encourage that you employ two specific kinds of response. Number one, if you're a believer, I'm going to ask that you come before God during the invitation time and, and embrace like you have already the same kind of disposition that shows I have passion for Jesus, I don't care what others think, and God, would you give me more passion till my last breath, help me not to be afraid to show extravagance in my passion towards you. And if you're a believer, would you be willing to do that? Look, I, I, don't, I don't mean this in a crass way. You're not too cool for Sunday school to not get on your knees. You're not too dignified. Your life isn't all together, uh, uh, packaged with a bow and a bundle, uh, and too sharp for you to be able to get on your knees and say, God, uh, you, no one's like you. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't want a theoretical faith. I want an obvious faith. I want an unmistakable faith. And I, I'm just asking that you continue to give that to me. And I'm going to ask believers to be ready to do that here in just a minute. And then for those that aren't, maybe you don't know that all your sins are forgiven. Maybe you don't know that heaven's your home. Maybe you can't say right now, I'm 100% sure. Right now, I know that if I died right now, all my sins are forgiven. Jesus didn't want you to walk out the same way. You've got problems and sin problems, and you can take care of it like that. And here's where it starts. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. You know Jesus died for your sins. And you confess it and believe it, period. That's simple. That's simple. And I don't know if that's you today, but here's what you're gonna Here's here's what I encourage you to do. I'm sure there'll be some uh, altar workers up here, and what I'd encourage you to do, if that's you, I'd encourage you to come up and say, Can you just show me from the Bible how I can know my sins are forgiven? Yeah, but I'm, I'm so nervous at uh, what others uh, think. You're not gonna care what those others think. When you stand before God, you're not going to care what those others think. When, you're, when you know your last breath is near, you're not going to care. So take care of that now. He wants to take care of that. He, he has the power to forgive all of your sins forever. Why would you be ashamed of that? All of us are sinners. All of us got problems. All of us. We're problematic people. But I got good news for you. We have a God that can take care of all that. You got to be one to come to Him. Would you do that? Father, we come before you. I love you. I thank you for your goodness. No one's like you, God. No one's like you. I'm going to raise my hand to you and acknowledge that you're in this room and that you're listening. And you've been watching, not just watching over these last few minutes. You've watched all of us for all of our lives. You know every struggle. You know every change that needs to be brought. You know the believers that in here that have a real and authentic passion. And then you know those that have a theoretic, a theoretic faith, a theoretic passion. You know those that need to change that. Let you change that to an unmistakable passion. Would you accomplish your will like only you can do? You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the God of all mercy. You're the God of all greatness. There's no one like you, God. No one like you. And I pray that we display that with unmistakable passion here over these next few moments. All praise and glory belongs to you. We ask it in the high and the heavenly and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you stand? It's time to respond. Come on, saints. It's time to respond. If you don't know that that's heaven is your home, you, you come right down here to the front. We're going to let uh, someone work with you and someone help you. Uh, however the Lord has spoken to you, you take care of business. Let's demonstrate to God that he's worthy. Let's demonstrate to God. Here, here's one I ask those. I know the altar is full, but, but listen, uh, if, if your body is agreeable, would you take a knee right now and just say, God, would you always give me a passion? God, would you let my passion grow right now that you would take a knee and say, right now, God, would you give me a passion until the day I die? I don't want to stop being passionate. I don't want to care what others think right now that you'd say, God, would you do that in me? God, please, please, please do that in me. You take care of business. Everyone, I'm going to invite everyone to do business with our high and heavenly Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The music uh, has begun. The song is going to begin. This is your time to respond.